Yes, hello everyone, and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your home for basketball in WA, with an inside look at the Perth Wildcats, Perth Lynx, and WA basketball throughout the 2021-22 seasons. My name is Craig O'Donoghue from the West Australian Newspaper, and throughout the year I'll be joined by a host of guests to provide you with as much insight and entertainment as your basketball brain can handle. In this week's episode, we are talking imports and finals. Perth Lynx General Manager Brent Dawkins will join us to discuss the remarkable performance by his team as they head into the playoffs on Thursday. Plus, we'll be joined by reigning Perth Wildcats MVP John Mooney from his current basketball home in Japan in a week where imports are the major news story at the Wildcats. Okay, so there's always a challenge with recording a podcast on a Tuesday when you could be listening to it at any point of the week and news could break at any second. So, as of recording time, we all know that the Wildcats are attempting to sign American John Brown III. We all know he's in WA. But as we saw when the Perth Lynx attempted to get Sammy Wickham out of her contract in France, these things take time to get done, and then they suddenly happen really quickly. The Wildcats have clearly convinced Brown to come to the club because he's in the country, but they're yet to convince his Russian team to release him from the contract. Russia is five hours behind Perth, which isn't a terrible time difference, and that makes it a bit easier. But as of right now, as we record, Michael Frazier II remains a Wildcat, and the clock is ticking fast on a deadline with Brown needing to play against Sydney on Saturday to be eligible for the finals. Speaking of the finals, the Perth Lynx finished second on the WNBL ladder and will open their semi-final series against the University of Canberra Capitals at the Bendat Basketball Centre on Thursday. Now, the man who pulled this Perth Lynx team together is General Manager Brent Dawkins. We spoke to him at the start of the season about the team that he had pulled together and what his thoughts were, and I'm happy to say he's back on the eve of the finals. Brent, welcome back to the Dribble Podcast. Thanks very much, Craig. Love to be here. Now, congratulations on the season. To finish second, given the challenges this team has had, has been quite a remarkable effort. What do you think has been the key to it all? Oh, look, it's been a quite a remarkable season. As you just mentioned, it's, uh, I've been involved in sport for 20 years and I've never seen anything like it. Um, the days, the changes day by day. And, you know, sometimes we were, we were meant to start at the start of November, then we were meant to start at the start of December. We ended up not starting until after Christmas uh, for a start. And, and obviously we went on the road, stayed over there, potentially could have called the season off completely if we couldn't get back into WA. Uh, and then to go back, play some games here and then go back on the road again and, and sort of pump out seven day, seven games in 14 days. It's been it's been amazing and a fantastic effort and the resilience of the group, to be honest, to get up uh, and with not a lot of certainty day in, day out uh, for the girls to get up and, and finish second and potentially we're almost in the premiers is a, is a great effort to the team. So the physical challenges have been there for everyone to watch on TV from the opening game where the team clearly lacked match fitness to the final game where they had nothing left in the tank. But what do you think was actually harder for them, the physical element of it or the mental worry that you mentioned of not knowing what was going on? It probably it differed at different parts of the season. So early on, um, definitely just to get some matches under your belt was important when a lot of the other teams had already sort of played three or four games. So match fitness is you can't beat that. So that's definitely the case. Then probably in the middle of the season it was it was the uncertainty. Uh, when we're over there in Victoria and in Ballarat and, and the girls just didn't know uh, and where our next game was going to be and if we could seriously get to the finish line and that was a real possibility we we did have uh, some meetings um, that are out there in the public now to, there was a chance that we were going to pull the pin and uh, the season we were never going to get to the finish line even though we were sitting on top of the ladder so middle of the season definitely mental and then late in the season again to play seven games in 
14 days is, is um, uh, was probably physical in the end, uh, including travel uh, to one of the toughest places, I think, to play up there in Townsville in the humidity, um, to play two games up there. And, um, yeah, no excuses for the girls, but, um, you know, and then finally good to be back in Perth now and ready for a home final. So how close did it get to them pulling the pin? Because it was when that Feb 5 border didn't happen and they've got jobs yep. and families back over here, it was a real-life situation rather than a basketball situation. How close were you to them being able to say, we, we just can't stay in Victoria any longer? Yeah, it was uh, very close, Craig. Um, we obviously had that announcement. Um, that the girls thought they would be able to come back and then obviously the announcements that they couldn't. Um, so then we had to uh, call the group together and we had a number of meetings over the next sort of 24, 48 hours and it was very close. There were times where I probably thought we were done, um, honestly, and I thought I was preparing to work out what's the next step forward and, uh, you know, we're going to go out and you know, not play at all. Um, but then we found a way. Um, we managed to you know, find a way with the government and uh, the state government to come up and play some games and it gave us a new lease on life to, to, um, to see out the season. Uh, mean our back end of our season was quite, fairly condensed after we quarantined over here. But, um, yeah, we were really close to the point where I was prepared to virtually, you know, I went to bed thinking that tomorrow I was going to come and say this was the season we were done. But then um, we, we managed to turn around and, uh, once again, to the girls' credit, we stuck at it and, uh, and we, we got to the final. And the reward is a home semi-final series against Canberra beginning at 6.30pm on Thursday at the Bendat Basketball Centre. It's been really clear, I reckon, from the four home games that you had that the support of the Dagway basketball community is really there and it's jumped behind the group. Have you sensed that uh, there's a real bonding between the Lynx and Dagway basketball throughout this season? Yeah, definitely, Craig. I We made a... Uh, a conscious effort to actually bring people back to the links and we reduced the prices um, than what they were probably in um, other seasons that they were there. So we really made it a family, um, like to bring the kids out and you know, you've seen that at games yourself where kids are really getting involved. We've actually given uh, a number of free tickets to uh, each of the Wobble Associations um, to get their girls and boys uh, to come along and, and watch their you know, they're heroes in that play and um, that's been noticeable from where I've been um, watching and standing at the end of the court. It's uh, It's been really pleasing to actually get a nice five in the place and uh, even though we can only have 50% in here, it's uh, it's been really good and it definitely uh, gives us um, some fuel for thought next year about how we can actually fill the place. So if we go deeper into the, the element of, of WA basketball in the links, like when Basketball WA took over the licence, there was a, you always said there was going to be a heavy focus on producing local talent. And if we go back to the 2019-20 season, which was the last time the Wildcats owned the, the group, it was an eight-player roster with three DPs. And there were two of the eight who were from WA clubs, which is Ellison Schwagmeyer Belger and Maddie Allen. And the three DPs were all from WA clubs as well, Taya Burrows, Nasea Williams and Jewel Williams. This year you've got a nine-player roster with one amateur and four DPs and only three Three of that entire group haven't come from WA initially, which we, including Sammy Wickham in that, including Darcy Garbin in those players who obviously have come back to WA having made their name elsewhere. How important was it for you to build a base around people who everyone over here knew and they could look at them and say, they've come from WA, this is what this team's about? Oh, vitally important. Um, it's also a balance as well, but our number one was to make sure we got that balance right. So WA was a big tick for us. So if you're a talented WA athlete, as you said with, um, you know, Darcy was up in Townsville and to get her back into her home state and just the whole way through and you can just see it from our games where you know, you've, you've seen a group of Willerton girls come in with all their Willerton tops on and 
they're cheering for you know, Alex Sharp and, and Emma Gandini because they watch her play at NBL One West and they have that connection with them. Whereas, um, don't get me wrong, if you bring people from interstate, they don't have that connection back in local basketball and that's um, been a big push for us. But also being able to get Jackie Young, Marina Mabry, um, those two girls from, I guess, the outside of the WA system, you've still got to be successful on court. So you know, if you went purely WA girls, then that success probably isn't going to happen. So you do have to complement it with some, some outside talent as well. And that's what I think we've done. So with, with this local group, Alex Sharp is obviously Victorian, but had been living in America for several years and then came over here, but stayed and um, in the off-season and played for Willerton. Was it important yep. f- from a cultural standpoint that happened that she, that she was remaining in the state, playing in the league, and not only just playing, she was dominating, grand final MVP, league MVP, and, and setting a standard for others to see? Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it actually was, was really good. And she loves Perth. Um, you know, she's playing again for Willerton this year. Um, you know, she had no doubt she would have had the opportunity from from the NBL One South Club to go back and play there in Melbourne. But um, I guess um, not speaking out of turn, but she she has said to me in the past, you know, she hasn't been back to Melbourne for I guess nearly six seven years now because she sort of comes straight from college here to Perth. So she loves Perth, and and um, you know, hopefully we can keep her here for uh, for a long time in the future. But that's important for us as well. So yeah, they weren't born in WA, but they definitely have links to to the WA clubs and the associations. But what you said earlier about the uh, the nine and the three, uh, or sorry, with our four DPs being all, um, all WA, we also have a group under that, which is also WA as well with our train-on players. So there is a, a really strong flavour in WA in our team. So clearly isn't a coincidence either, I don't reckon, that Ryan Petrick coached Sammy Wickham and Darcy Garvin and Alex Chibatoni and Taya Burrows. They're all on the roster. How crucial are the relationships that he's had with players over the years who we can call up and say, you're talented, we want you, come back, as opposed to someone else who might coach or someone else, yourself as general manager, who may not know them as well from a 15-year relationship that's been built up? Yeah, definitely important. The head coaches make plays a huge role in that, not only in basketball, but other sports, as you know, with, with football, and you'll see that a coach comes along and has a really big say on the the, the squad that they put in and uh, and if they're comfortable with someone they've coached before then they uh, they get a big say in, in getting them on the roster so and that's that's exactly what Ryan's you know Ryan's coached Sammy and has that relationship with her before same with Taya same with Chiver and same with Das so it was a you know there's four straight away that he's coached in the past and um, and you know he's had he's coached against Alex Sharp and yeah the, the coach has a major say in putting the team together 100% Do you feel it's a different bond with the group when you've got those sorts of connections and what will it do for that bond um, within the, the entire basketball community if you can actually go and win it? Uh, look, yeah, it's the old cliche of taking it one game at a time. I'm, uh, although we're going 100 miles an hour to try and plan you know, what happens next. If this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to um, say we're there, but we've got a semi-final to, um, to get past first and Canberra are tough. So um, they obviously beat us over here on our court only probably only a week and a half ago. So um, they're going to be tough and then we're off to uh, the, the mighty little town or suburb of Tugranon. In, uh, in Canberra on Sunday, which will be another a test in a tiny little uh, domestic stadium that they have there in Canberra. So um, that'll be an interesting, an interesting test. But I think you know, with our experience of some real winners on our on our roster, um, you know, in Jackie Young, for example, who's always been involved in whether it's a gold medal at the Olympics, whether it's a um, you know a Las Vegas team that's gone deep in the playoffs, she has a really winning attitude, and so does Marina, and they just want to win. So hopefully they can bring that extra percent to um, you know, 
to the games on this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. There's a good red and black flavour in, um, in Tuggeranong. The mighty Justin Blumfield, who is arguably second best <laughs> on ground from, from the mighty Essendon Football Club in the new 2000 <laughs> grand finals from Tuggeranong. So uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing what you remember, what you remember as a footy fan when you barrack for the Bombers. You probably watched him play a few times as a recruiter. Uh, yeah, exactly it's, right. It's amazing how it happens. Now, for the all-important Dribble Podcast MVP votes, this award will go through the finals. But after the last game in Perth, uh, it was very tight at the top when the team travelled away. So for a quick recap, we had Marina Mabry still leading on 18, Jackie Young was on 17, Lauren Scherf was on 15, and Sammy Whitcomb was on 14. So for the last three games, against Sydney, it was one vote to Scherf, two votes to Jackie Young, and three votes to Sammy Whitcomb. Uh, in game one against Townville, it was one vote to Scherf again, two votes to Marina Mabry, and three votes to Jackie Young. And in the final game of the season against Townville, it was one vote to Darcy Garbin, two votes Sammy Whitcomb, and three votes to Jackie Young, which means despite not playing in any of the first, poll, not, despite not polling in the first five games, Jackie Young is leading the Dribble Podcast regular season MVP quite convincingly at the moment. So it's um, quite a, a remarkable effort by her. When you look at it, like, she's been phenomenal since finding her form and fitness. How damaging has she been across the entire league, do you reckon, with everyone looking at her going, how do we stop her and how do we stop Marina now and how do we stop Sammy and Darcy and Lauren during finals? Yeah, that's the plan. I'd love for all five of them to uh, to fire on the one night. It would be very scary. But with Jackie, she come probably, I think it was three weeks later than Marina, so she was a little bit behind. Um, in the pre-season. So um, she, obviously, after a big trip out, don't underestimate that, They with the flights, they had to go via, i got this right now, Hong Kong, um, into Japan, across to Singapore, and then, you know, they were all over the place. The flight took 28 hours to get down in here, so, and then into two weeks quarantine. So she really probably only did two weeks of pre-season, if that, to be honest. Um, and so she's been a slow, you know, and you can see now that she's firing on all cylinders. Um, so that's been outstanding and uh, her form is, yeah, as you said, right up there in the best in the league at the moment. So not putting too much pressure on her, but yeah, she, she'd be uh, she'd be right up there, as you said, with your votes um, late in the season. She'd be polling a lot of votes, I would have thought, in the MVP or what, in the season. So yeah, exciting for, and hopefully we can get them all firing on Thursday night. It'll be exciting for the team. And having so many players in the, in the team who know how to win, so Darcy Garbin's won WNBL titles, Lauren Scherf has won WNBL titles, Sammy Wickham's a dual WNBA champion winner. Um, Jackie Young's won an Olympic gold medal, and both her and Marina won an NCAA championship. They're, they're big game performers, and they know what it takes. Having that group together to start a, a game and a final, do you think that's going to be really important and a big advantage? Yeah, I think I think it's hard to put how much of an advantage it is, but yeah, it definitely is. I think it is a, when you mention off all their, their names and what their accolades that they've been through, and then you even go onto the bench, you know, like Sharps, one, I know it's the next level down, but you know, they've, they've even played in big grand finals here on this court. So, um, you know, on, in local state NBL one only last year. So um, we do have some big game players and uh, that'll be exciting come Thursday. Emma Gandini, another person who played in, in that uh, exactly. Willington Grand Hall. Yeah. She's, she's been fantastic, hasn't she? Like she's yeah. the, the, yeah. the difference what she brings on the court has been quite remarkable, I reckon. Yeah, for a for a, a girl that's played uh, look probably nearly two hundred state league games for um, a lot of solo short um, for Willington uh, and probably. To be honest, a year ago, I probably thought she was never, never a chance for playing WNBL. But uh, look, she's done everything right. She trained as hard as anyone, and she had to obviously try and balance it with her work. Uh, she's been outstanding, and uh, she's fitted in really well with the group. Girls love her, and uh, 
when we when we've needed her and we've put her on and we've given jobs for her, she's um she's been really good. The last time you played against Canberra, they were missing Kelly Wilson and Alex Bunton due to fears about being stuck in WA as close contacts. They're coming this time, even though our close contact rules haven't changed. Have you had to have discussions with Canberra around potentially explaining the rules that are over here and in a way that's actually helped them to get a stronger team? Or how has that uh, discussion gone? Or are you not aware of what's happened to, to allow them to con- be convinced to come this time? No, I just, personally, I haven't had the discussion with them, but I'm assuming it's just this is a final and we're going to go with it. You know, we've got to put our best team on the, on the court. So there's sort of no tomorrow in a, in a knockout final. So I guess they're, they're saying this is it, we're going with it. But as you said, the rules haven't changed. So um, nothing's changed in regards to um, you know, any exemptions or anything like that. So um, I'm assuming they're just <laughs> rolling with it and, and trying to put their best potential team on the court. And we saw the Capitals press you guys really hard. Like they, they weren't giving any space at all in that game where they beat you. And it felt like Townsville tried some similar tactics in the past two games. I don't think any team's really handled really hardcore defensive tactics well, but do you feel you're better placed to adjust to that sort of uh, pressure that they might give you in this in this series? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously we're over the couple of days of, of freshness as well, so you know we're not playing. We've virtually played every second day for nearly near on two weeks there. So now we've been able to give the girls sort of four days off, not four days off, but four days not playing a game. Uh, I think we'll be fresh and uh, and really be able to handle that that pressure. Uh, and we'll, we'll even jump another level, as you know, with any finals. That finals pressure even jumps up higher. And, and there'll be some nerves, no doubt about it, early on, no doubt. Um, and hopefully a big crowd can get out there and support the girls. And then you've got Game 2 in Canberra on, on Sunday. It's not easy to get to Canberra. It's one of those places where getting from Perth is nigh on impossible. There's, there is a direct flight on Friday, which takes about four hours, um, yeah. which gives you then a full day in Canberra. Or, the, or then you got if you stay in Perth for the extra day, giving people have to work, um, the fastest yeah. option on Saturday is via Sydney, which takes six and a half hours. Do you know which one you're going to take yet? Yeah, this stage we'll take the Saturday. We'll give the girls another night in their own bed and then uh, and then head over on Saturday and then fly back on Monday morning. The, uh, that's the plan at this stage. I mean, it can change. Obviously, it's only early in the week. Um, we do have some flexibility if we want to look at that, but um, at this stage, that's the plan. That is one of the, the challenges, isn't it? It's a, it's, you, you could have played Adelaide, you could have played Melbourne, and, you could have been, and it could have been anywhere. You've, you've ended up once again against a team which has the most difficult place to get to. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But as the old Ross Lyon will play anyone anywhere. Um, but, um, you know... You have to the, the bonus, I guess, is we have home court advantage, especially for the semi. Um, so if if it is one all, we get to come back here and, and do it all again next Wednesday night. But uh, let's hope we get it done in two and we can uh, have a have a full week's break before a potential grand final the following weekend. That would be amazing. Well, look, thanks for joining us. You've had a fantastic season as a team. Um, if Lynx fans, if you're having a look around the stadium this weekend, you'll see Brent because he never sits down, never sta- he just walks around the stadium the entire time. You're a bit of a nervous watcher, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, look, absolutely, Craig. In all my uh, time in sport, I've uh, I've always been a don't like to sit down. I like to just walk around, mix it up, and uh, very superstitious. If I find a, if we're going okay and I find a good spot, then I'll sit there and uh, until we uh, until we. <laughs> if you see me walking again, obviously we're uh, we're not going that well. So, um, but um, look, one thing I do have to say before I go is uh, I'm not sure if anyone's aware, but it might be someone's birthday today. Is that correct? It might be mine. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> 21 today, I think. Yeah, it, tw- 21, so. double it, add a few more. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, no, 46 years old. There hasn't been an Essendon player who's worn 46 has been any good, so it's disappointing. <laughs> Next year, I'm Ricky Olerenshaw, but um, yeah, this year, it's been a bit of a battle to find someone who I can say who I am, so no, thank you very much yeah, for that. Exactly. No worries, mate. <laughs> Hope you well, had a good day. Uh, thank you very much. Well, good luck. Hope things really go, go really well for you, and um, I'm sure that you'll get a, a really strong crowd this week, and hopefully you don't need another crowd next week, and you can knock Canberra over in two and then get into a grand final. Yeah, fingers crossed, and uh, yeah, this time next week we're talking about a potential grand final. That'd be great. Oh, thanks for joining us. Good luck. Good on you. Thanks, Craig. Okay, now that interview with Brent Dawkins was recorded mid-afternoon, and it's now several hours later. We are recording in a slightly different format, hence the change in sound. We're on Zoom, and we're heading to Japan, and with all the talk being about Wildcats imports, it's an ideal time to have a chat to a man who took the NBL by storm last season. Oh, oh my! John Mooney with the hammer put back. And Mooney steps out. Chase- In the air. John Mooney, welcome to the Dribble Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Now, it's March 22 today. We've been talking birthdays earlier in the podcast, and that means we are two days past your 24th birthday. So, happy birthday. How'd you celebrate? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I actually had a game out here in Japan, and, uh, you know, we got the win, and then hooked up with some of the guys afterwards. So, it was, it was a good birthday. So you mentioned you're in Japan, you're playing there this season, but uh, it's been amazing over here how much people have referred to you both during games and the coverage, social media. Have you heard or have you, um, has it people reached out to you at all about how much you are still loved over in this part of the world? I have, man. And, you know, that's, it's honestly really cool to see. Um, you know, I, I love my time in Perth and, and the fans there were so welcoming and to be able to still communicate with some of them, you know, via social media and, and whatnot. Um, it, it really is cool, man. It makes me feel good. And, you know, the Red Army is is unbelievable and they treated me with so much respect. So, I'll, you know, I'll always be grateful for that. And it's cool to be able to keep in touch with some of the fans as well. Well, let's tell all those fans how you're going. You are at the Chiefs. Jets and they're second on the ladder with a 25-6 record, but it hasn't all been smooth sailing for you with your body. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a good year for sure. Um, you know, dealing with an injury right now. Um, it's not too serious. Fortunately, scans came back, you know, pretty good with my shoulder. So uh should be back in a couple of weeks. Um, but you know, I'm loving my time here in Japan. The team is awesome, the organization's great. So um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. The timeline appears really challenging for you. So I'm looking it up and it said you played on January 26 and then you were out for a while, came back on March 9 and haven't played since. What's been the, the issues that allowed you to get back but not be able to stay back? Well, actually, that was because of the, the scheduling over here. Um, you know, we had some some COVID problems with, with the scheduling. Uh, some games were canceled. Um, and then actually the national team break where actually Japan played Australia a couple of weeks ago. They, they shut the league down here for some of those players that were in um, that game or those games, I guess. So uh, I've only missed, you know, two or three games. It, it hasn't been the shoulder problem. It was, you know, the COVID with not only my team, but the other teams that the whole league was kind of on pause for a little bit. And then the national team break, a challenging schedule. Um, but fortunately, I haven't missed many games because of the shoulder. <laughs> looking at the schedule c- coming from here, you playing every second or third day, it, it appears. So you could miss a fair bit of time just by missing one or two weeks, can't you, in terms of the number of games you can miss? 
Yeah, we're certainly kind of amping it up right now. Um, the schedule is is pretty daunting. The next couple of weeks due to cancellations uh, earlier in the year kind of uh, postponed them to, to this time. Um, so hopefully won't miss too many games. Hopefully I can you know get back on the floor, rehab my shoulder up and, and help my team out. Jeez, you've had some huge games. Like, you had some big ones over here, but talk to me about the period between December 4 and 12 in Japan where you played four games and averaged 19 points and 15 rebounds. That must have been some fun games to be involved with. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, um, that was a good little run there for sure. Um, I, I just love the way we play over here. Um, you know, the, the team is great. The coaches are, are awesome. And uh, you play a lot of games, which, you know, as a player, you want to play games. Um, and, you know, if you're rolling kind of, you know, with the momentum of, you know, not having many days off in between games, you can keep it going. So, um, like I said before, I'm enjoying it. That was certainly a good run. And hopefully these next couple of weeks, I can get back to that form. So you are a workhorse. You love to be involved in everything. And everyone we've spoken to in the past talks about how hard you train and you're always involved in, in everything. Does, does that sort of fix just suit you better than the two games on the weekend, five-day break, another two games, five-day break? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, you know, that's something that, or this schedule is something that I've never had in my career before, obviously, you know, playing this past year in Perth, um, less games, uh, over the course of the season. And then in college, you know, it's, it's similar where you play maybe one or two times a week. So, um, it's definitely different and took me, you know, a week or two to get adjusted to earlier in the season, um, but like I said before, man, it's it's nice to to be able to go from game to game. It's it's almost like an NBA schedule, to be honest. Where, like you said, you're kind of playing every other night, um, three times a week, usually maybe four. So um, <clears throat> I like it because you're playing games, and like you said, work hard pretty much every night. So I I like it. So Nick Kay, a former Wildcat, was on here uh, with the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and obviously you never played with him, but and you haven't had the chance to play against him yet due to the the schedule and the way it's, it's all worked out. But he talked about the desire to travel around the world, play different styles and and become a different player as a result. What were you looking for when you were going to Japan in terms of trying to enhance your career on the court? Yeah, you know, I agree with what Nick said about traveling the world. Um, that's something that interests me, uh, experiencing many different cultures. Um, you know, this is my second year as a professional and this is the second I've been able to, to see, obviously, Australia being the first one and then um, coming over here, meeting all the people here at of play is different um you know i would say it's it's faster just because um you know we're, we're getting up and down the court quickly that's how we play that's how most of the teams here play it's a different brand of basketball um i think you know both leagues are very challenging and yeah i mean it's it was just a great opportunity for me something that you know i couldn't pass up and um like i said before i'm, I'm really liking it so where are you a better player specifically as a result of doing a college into australia now into japan where do you think your your skill set has improved the most yeah i mean i would say uh defensively i thought i improved a lot in perth uh coach gleason was was always on me telling me oh buzz we need to do a better job of you know defending ball screens he was on me from day one and um you know looking back on it it was it was great for me um uh, to be able to learn from you know a coach like him and all the guys in Perth, I think, you know, I'm a much better defender now. A lot of American imports are the, are the bigs over here. Um, so, you're, you know, you're playing against you know, a really good uh, big man pretty much every night. So you have to bring it. And that's something that was attracted to me and, you know, something that I wanted to do to, you know, embrace that challenge. You mentioned Buzz before, the mm-hmm. Buzz Light, your nickname you got in Australia. Does that, does that go over to Japan or, or they call you something totally different? That one didn't travel. That was, uh, <laughs> that, was Jesse, that was Jesse Wagstaff, man. He came up with that. Um, that hasn't traveled here. People call me John or, or Mooney or Moon here for the most part. 
So Jesse Wagstaff was also responsible for telling you to say cheers, big ears to Damien Martin, wasn't he, during the coverage one time? So he's, he's got you a few That's times. Right. That's right, man. Jesse's the man. He's funny dude. And I miss those guys. So we all were hoping that your performances would lead to an NBA opportunity. Where do you think you sit right now in terms of what you're being told by agents or uh, clubs or over, over there in terms of what you need to do to, to get to that level? Yeah, you know, I had after the, the NBL season, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to get a summer league invitation. Um, and I, I think a lot of that was due to, you know, the NBL, and, uh, I would say the, the growth and how much um, – NBA teams watch that league. It's one of the best, if not, you know, the top league outside of the NBA in the world, it's one of them. And I think, you know, the NBA really has its radar on the NBL. Um, so certainly I was, you know, very fortunate uh, for that opportunity. And um, you know, the summer league thing didn't necessarily go um, great. Didn't go as, as maybe I would have planned. Um, but, it, you know, it was, it was a good opportunity, you know, something that I'll never forget. And if I get that opportunity again, hopefully, you know, I'll uh, be able to maximize it and, and we'll see what you know, happens from there. Um, so, yeah. What did happen at Summer League? Because you, you didn't get you know, the stats say you only played one game in about 11 minutes of, of court time. Were you, were you injured? Did it just not work out? What was, the, what was the situation there? Yeah. So, there was uh, about a you know week long training camp before in Milwaukee um, that I played in and you know, thought I was playing well. And, um, you know, when we got to the, uh, to Vegas, um, pretty much they, they gave the playing time to a lot of, um, the guys that were already in the organization. They drafted a big, they had a, a couple of bigs already on the roster, young guys who, um, you know, they wanted to pretty much give all the reps, which I completely understand, you know, they're giving their investments, you know, the time to, to get better. And, uh, that's, that's pretty much what summer league is for. Um, unfortunately it kind of left me, you know, with not much playing time, which again, is fine. Um, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, by the time, you know, a couple of those games finished, uh, this Japanese team wanted me over here. So I was on pretty much a flight after our second game. So just wasn't great timing. wasn't a great, uh, I guess, opportunity for playing time, but you know, again, something that I'll never forget, putting an NBA jersey on, being in summer league, being in that environment was awesome. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, very grateful for the opportunity. I asked Nick Kay this same question when, when we spoke about the potential to come back to the NBL. And he said he'd love to come back, but you're only a basketball player for so long and, and the money you can earn overseas is probably better than what you can in Australia. So you need to set yourself up there first before coming back. Would you look at it in a, in a similar way at your age, 24, you know, windows open and close pretty quickly is it too simply too lucrative for you to to be playing overseas to to be back in australia do you feel um i mean i've said it before uh, my time in australia was unbelievable um you know i thought i became a better player uh being around those guys over there in perth and uh playing against the competition and nbl every night it made me a better player no doubt and you know i think it's um fortunately set me up for this opportunity that i have here um, you know, I believe that, you know, to the fullest, you know, playing in Perth, having some success, having some success as a team, you know, teams around the world watch that league, no doubt. Um, and I think it set me up. Um, so, you know, I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm, uh, it's a great opportunity. And down the road, if, you know, I want to come back to Australia, I, I would certainly be, you know, more than open to do that just because, you know, I, I love uh, my time there. And, you know, if it happens, happens. Like I said before, it's, it's set a great opportunity up right now where I'm at. Uh, so we'll see what happens down the road.
Well, Wildcats are certainly missing you. I'm sure they would love to have you, even though they're in a really good position at the moment. And if we look at the votes we've given for the Dribble Podcast MVP Awards for the last game against New Zealand, one vote to Majuk Majuk, who was filling your role, 8 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, two votes to Bryce Cotton, 25 points, 5 rebounds and 6 assists. And the three votes went to Vic Law for his 26 points and 12 rebounds. So it's been a really interesting time for Wildcats at the moment. We're talking a lot about imports because Michael Fraser the second, who's one of their imports, they're trying to move on and bring in John Brown, who's also an American. You're, you're two years out of college. You've experienced the two years of being an import at different clubs. Is it pre- is there big pressure that you feel when you're an import and everyone wants you to be the man? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Um, you know, when, when you're an import, you know, you're expected to come in and, and do your jobs the fullest. And, you know, luckily I was playing with Bryce, man. So the, he's the man. And, you know, he, I thought, you know, we had great chemistry. He, um, you know, we, we played off each other pretty well and I certainly missed playing with him. I, I think he made me a, a better player, no doubt, just playing with him and getting the open looks that I got. Um, and then, you know, coming over here, all the guys are great. You know, there's a lot, many uh, older players here that are kind of mentoring me and uh, we're sort of in the same position. So I'm battling some of these older guys that are here right now, some of these older American bigs. And, you know, it's awesome, man, to be able to learn from guys like that. So I, I just kind of um, use, you know, the experiences that I've had to learn to get better. Um, and there certainly is pressure, but, you know, I, I like pressure and I like I like working. I like working hard and I like, you know, proving people. So, um, yeah, I, I embrace the challenge for sure. Tell us where you're living. It's near water. I can see that via a map and you're not far from Tokyo. So what, what's the situation in terms of where you live, what you can do and um, when you're not involved in basketball? Yeah, so I'm in uh, Funabashi, which is a, a city in, in Chiba. Um, it's the prefecture that, that I'm in. And then it's probably about an hour outside of Tokyo. Um, so, you know, we, we head to Tokyo, you know, a decent amount just, you know, to, to go to restaurants and, and shop and, you know, hang out. So it's, it's an awesome city. Uh, Tokyo is, you know, there's something to do every night. Um, there's heaps of things to do. So, you know, I've, I've enjoyed to, you know, visit Tokyo, um, travel around, you know, Japan, just playing games and stuff and playing against the other teams here. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's beautiful and, you know, I'm really liking it. I mentioned the Wildcats looking for a change in imports at the moment. Both of the guys who we're talking about, John Brown and Michael Frazier, are from Florida originally. I know it's a big place and the basketball seems to be quite a small world at different times. Have you crossed their paths at any point? They're a lot older than you. Um, have you heard of them before, John Brown in the third and Michael Frazier the second? Uh, actually, I've heard of uh, John Brown, um, but I remember watching Michael Frazier play uh, back when I was in middle school and high school. I was a big Florida Gator fan. I actually committed to Florida before I ended up at Notre Dame with Billy Donovan when he was there. Um, so, you know, I was up in Gainesville a lot. Um, I remember I remember watching Michael um, <clears throat> when I was young, man, and he was a great player, uh, still is, wish him the best. And, yeah, I've definitely been following, you know, the Wildcats and wish them the best moving forward too. We've heard all the stuff about what he was able to do, and he hasn't. he's had some injuries over here as well and hasn't hit top form. When he's playing well, what did you notice about him? Because obviously you've seen him for a lot longer than what we have over here. Unbelievable shooter. You know, I remember uh, watching him at Florida. You know, he would run off three, four threes in a row, um, you know, playing with Scotty Wilbekin. I know the NBL is uh, familiar with that name. Um, Casey Prather, other NBL guy. So I remember watching all those guys play. But, uh, yeah, certainly Frazier was, you know, a, a great shooter, great scorer, and uh, he's a great player. 
couple of other people who are sort of linked with you who are in Perth at the moment are at the Perth links. Marina Mabry and Jackie Young both went to Notre Dame and won an NCAA title there. Did you cross their paths at any point? Yeah, uh, both of them. We, we were all there together. Um, me and Jackie actually came in at the same time. We were freshmen together. Um, so, you know, we were, we were pretty close. I think she left maybe my senior year to go to the WNBA. But, yeah, you know, we're very close with both of them. You know, the, the women's teams and the men's team were always pretty close. We would hang out together uh, off the court. Yeah, both of them are, are really good players. Marina's a great shooter. Jackie kind of does it all. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been following them, too, over there in Perth. And it seems like they're, they're having a great year. It's amazing how small the basketball world actually is, isn't it? Yes, People man. are all over the world and you find it and you, you can find each other in any part of it. How do you rate your championship chances at, at the Chiba Jets? Do you reckon your your chance to go one better than last year over here at the NBL? Yeah, you know, I think we have a great chance. Um, there's some really good teams over here uh, that are kind of battling out um, for playoff spots. You know, I think uh, we'll definitely get in the playoffs and then, um, you know, you want to be playing your best, you know, come May, June, that's when the playoffs are here. So, you know, hopefully if we continue to work and put the time in, then I think we have a pretty good chance, no doubt. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's late at night over in Japan. You've had a big day. You've had a big couple of days actually with games and rehab and all that sort of stuff. So I know that Wildcats fans would love to um, be hearing from you now and knowing what you're up to. Hopefully the injury isn't too bad and you can be back on court really soon. I appreciate that, Craig. It's always great talking to you guys. Great catching up with some Perth uh, Wildcast fans. Um, Like I said, you know, I'll never forget my time in Perth. It holds a special place in my heart. So Wish uh, wish the organization and you guys the best moving forward, no doubt. Well, that's it for the Dribble Podcast for this week. Remember, keep logging on to thewest.com.au for all your basketball news and pick up your copy of The West Australian. Thanks to Samantha Rogers for her production work. Thanks to Brent Dawkins and John Mooney for their time. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Dribble Podcast. <laughs>